Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's great to be here with you this morning, and, it, and it's great to be talking uh, in this series. Um, I think our identity as Christians is, is something that's incredibly important, and I know I've, I've thought about it a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we've had some actually fantastic talks so far, and I was listening, uh, I was listening to some of them again and, and recapping some of them. And I think there's, I just wanted to start actually by bringing out some of the great points that I, I think some of the, the speakers over the last few weeks have, have made. Uh, I promise not to spend my entire talk stealing other people's talks, but, uh, but just, uh, just for this bit. Um, so Maddie, uh, three weeks ago, talked about God's big plan and narrative, and uh, you know that's something that I'm I'm going to come back to and, and talk about a little bit. Um, uh, and and she also talked a little bit about how uh, God works it through flawed people. Um, and, and I think she she said something like you know kind of uh, what cannot what can God not do through us if He can do it through through these flawed people. And I, I found that really inspirational and helpful. So there's that that idea of God's big plan, and I'll, I'll come back to that, Mike a couple of weeks ago, um, talked about these particular people, about you know, Jacob, you know, what would we grasp onto, uh, this idea of Jacob as sort of grasping onto the heel when he was, was born. Um, Esau, you know, what would we give up in a moment of, of weakness, Esau giving up his birthright. Um, and Isaac, as a, as a parent, um, I found that tremendously useful. Like sometimes when we, when we read the Bible, I think we can forget that, particularly in, in passages like this, these are real people. You know, bits of the Bible are poetry, bits of them are allegory, bits of them are old laws that, frankly, don't really apply to us anymore. But, but a lot of it is stories about real people wrestling with their relationship with God and their faith in the situations they're in. And, and, you know, and I think that it's really important to, to remember that sometimes. And then Richard, uh, last week, talked about how this dysfunctional family uh, will become the family of God's blessing. And in many ways, this, this passage really hinges on the idea of God's blessing over, over a period of thousands of years. Um, so I'll come back to some of those, those themes. Um, I do think this, the story of Jacob is really helpful because of the patriarchs, he is probably the most obviously flawed um, and certainly, you know, I, I find it helpful um, as, a, as a fairly flawed person myself to kind of reflect on that. And, I, and, I, and this question of identity, you know, our identity is tested in moments of weakness and loneliness and flaws and sin. Um, you know, when you are lost and alone in the dark, as, as we'll see Jacob is, that's when who you are and who you are in Christ really matters. And I think that's, that's kind of probably the most important point of, you know, as we, as we go back to this passage. You know, when you're alone in the dark, who you are really matters. So, so let's recap where, we, where we've got to. So Jacob, Jacob was the younger brother. Um, he was a less manly brother, as, uh, as Mike showed us in his, in his picture. But he was, he was blessed by God in advance. He was always going to be uh, the one who was blessed of the two brothers. He was born grasping at his brother's heel, um, which turns out to be a pretty good image uh, for the rest of his life. Uh, later on, he cheats his brother out of his birthright, 
um, for you know, vegetarian food. Um, but so he cheats his brother in a moment, and he takes advantage of his brother's weakness and cheats his brother out of his birthright. Later on, he cheats his father uh, for a blessing. Um, and as we saw last week, he doesn't even be, particularly seem to be that concerned about the fact he's cheating his father. He's more concerned about getting caught for cheating his father. That's what he talks to his mother about, uh, as they're preparing for it. Uh, and then we pick him up here, uh, essentially on the run for his life. Um, you know, it's, it's at the end of, of chapter 27, um, where uh, it says, uh, Esau, your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. So his mother makes up this, this excuse about uh, taking a wife to send him away, but he is, he is essentially on, uh, on his run for his life. Um, he's, he's on his own. He's probably got very little with him. Uh, when, when he crosses back over the Jordan later in his, uh, in his life story, uh, we read that he says, you know, when I, when I first crossed the Jordan, I only had my staff with me. So he's probably, you know, he's on his own. He's probably got nothing except uh, his staff. Um, and he's in, a, he's in a pretty unhappy place. You know, this feels in many ways like a real low point in his life. You know, he's, he's cheated his, his brother who wants to kill him. He's cheated his father. He will actually never see his mother again. Um, you know, his mother says, I will send a message to you uh, to come back when, uh, when Esau's calmed down a little bit. Um, but she never sends that message, so he never comes back. He never sees his mother alive. Um, you know, he's alone. Uh, he's broken pretty much all the relationships that are important to him. And he's probably, I suspect, very aware of what has landed him in that situation. He's travelled probably only quite a short distance. Bethel is, is relatively close to where he was. He's probably gone... Yeah, 10 15%. I'm a, I'm a statistician, so 10 to 15% of his journey, let's call it. Um, and then he has, you know, has the most extraordinary turning point uh, in his life. And, you know, and arguably, you could say this is where you know, he begins his real relationship with the living God. Um, we've never actually seen him pray in his story up until this point. Um, you know, so in this passage where he prays, it's the first time that we see him pray. And actually, the only other time that we've seen him even refer to God, he, he takes the Lord's name in vain. He says, well, you know, as he's busy cheating and lying to his father, uh, he says, well, you know, the Lord gave me, gave me the goat, uh, gave me the, uh, the game early in my hunt. Um, so arguably he doesn't, probably doesn't have a great relationship with God, if at all, you know, if he's prepared to so casually take the, the Lord's name in vain. But here he is, and I, I just want to go back to the, the, the passage a little bit. So he set out for Haran, so I'm going to start at, um, in um, verse 10, if you, if you want to follow along. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head, and lay down to sleep. I don't know how you visualize this. It's, it's important to me to remember these are real people doing real things. And, you know, we're not actually told this, but as I visualize it, you know, I do kind of visualize him. He's get, got to a point where it's clear that it's too dark for him to carry on. He may not actually have reached the house. Um, 
So he may just be kind of t finding a, a spot by the side of the road or in the hill, finding a stone, lying down, wrapping himself in his cloak. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't say any of that. But this is how I visualize him. You know, I visualize him, you know, in the dark, on the top of a hill, um, on his way to who knows where. And then he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So there's a couple of themes I want to pick up here. Uh, I want to talk about this great narrative that God has through our history. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about the nature of our personal relationship with God and with Jesus. So this blessing um, very much mirrors some of the blessings that we've seen over the, over the previous few chapters. You know, if, you, if you turn back a, you know, a couple of pages, um, you know, if you go to uh, Genesis chapter 26... Um, you know, God appeared to Isaac, said, uh, do not go down to Egypt. Uh, uh, I will give you all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Uh, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Uh, and you see this time and time again in the blessings that, that are given to this family. Uh, and I, do, I, do, I wonder kind of how Jacob heard that. Um, you're not told a lot about uh, his family relationship with God as he was growing up. We haven't seen him pray. Um, and I wonder whether actually there's, there's, there's quite a uh, uh, stark contrast there with his father, Isaac. Um, you know, he has cheated his father, Isaac. But when Abraham was going to sacrifice his son, Isaac... Um, Isaac was completely faithful to his father. Uh, so I, I wonder how he received this message. Um, and in many ways, we, we, are, uh, we have a lot of advantages um, over, over Jacob because you know, we can see a lot of the context uh, that that is given in. Um, and this, this narrative plays out over so many, uh, so many levels. Uh, it plays out over generations of Jacob's family, you know, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. Um, it plays out over decades of Jacob's life. Um, Jacob later becomes Israel. Uh, his 12 sons become the 12 tribes uh, of Israel. And it plays out over thousands of, of years of our history. Um, you know, the, in a few hundred years in Exodus, they'll be talking about the God of Jacob. Um, in, you know, kind of 1500 years or so, uh, we get the person of Jesus. Three and a half, four thousand years later, we're still, we're still talking about that night. 
And I, you know, I, I find that tremendously exciting. Actually, I, you know, the, I probably shouldn't say this. I have one of these apps, Bible apps, on my phone, and I've got it set so that I get the kind of verse for the day. Um, and I, I have to say, I tend to go, I tend not to read it. A lot of the times, I just, you know, when I get up in the morning, there's so many notifications on my phone, and I kind of skip over the verse for the day. And I, I realize, actually, I do that in part because what excites me about the Bible is, is not so much the individual kind of verse and wisdom in the snippets. They're important, and I, and I gain from them. But what really excites me is this, this incredible story over thousands of years and the story that continues to play out in our lives and, and in Chiswick today that we're all a part of. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a wonderful testament to God's word that it can speak to, to different people on different levels. But this story is, is incredible. And what's really fantastic about this blessing and God's blessing on this night is that it comes true in Jesus. Uh, and that's what we can see that, of course, Jacob could not see. And we'll, we'll look at how he responds in, in a moment. But we can see that this blessing is Jesus. You know, so, and, and the New Testament kind of really helps us with this. So Matthew um, starts off. And remember that you know, the blessing was specifically, you know, all peoples will be blessed through your offspring. So Matthew starts off by tracing the line of Jesus. Um, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, really making it very clear that, you know, this is not, this blessing is literal. It has literally come true. Your offspring, Jesus, will be the blessing to all the nations. Uh, Paul, uh, in Galatians, uh, for the the heart of understanding, uh, kind of makes it very, very clear. Um, Understand that, so this is Galatians... um, Three, uh, chapter 7. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. I love this idea, actually, that uh, that, that is the gospel being announced. You know, we get to read the Old Testament in, in the context of the New Testament. But on that night... God announced the gospel to Jacob. Uh, and then Jesus, uh, so in John, and this, this is referenced in um, uh, the study notes, um, Jesus were, was even more transparent. You know, he then added, uh, so this is um, uh, chapter 1, verse 51. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is that ladder. Jesus is Jacob's ladder that, that connects heaven and earth. So I, I find that tremendously exciting, and I, you know, I find that consistency and that faithfulness of God something that I can really hang on to um, over a, you know, a long period in our, our human history. But you know, sometimes that's great, but it's, it's a little bit intellectual. Maybe sometimes it's, you know, it's, hard, it's hard to hang on to that. And I think in those, in those moments, what's, what's really important is our relationship and our relationship with God. And so this is an extraordinary turning point in the life of Jacob. It's the first time we see him pray. Uh, it's the first time we see him begin to, uh, to really relate uh, to God. 
Um, and his prayer is, I was reading a lot, uh, some of the, the um, uh, criticisms uh, and the, the notes on this passage, and his prayer, his, prayer, his prayer has come in for a lot of criticism. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me the food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. If God, you'll be with me, you'll watch over me, you'll be with me on my journey, you'll give me food and clothes and let me return safely, yeah, then the Lord will be my God. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, and I'll set up a pillar and I'll give you a tenth of everything. It's, um, it's, it's conditional. It's very conditional. It's, you know, you've got this incredible, free, unconditional blessing from God. And then you've got this very kind of selfish, uh, very highly conditional, you know, if you give this to me, then I'll, I'll give something to you. I'll give you a tenth. How about that? That's a, that's a good deal, God. Come on. And it is, I mean, it's, obviously it's easy to be critical. Um, I do wonder how many of our prayers you could look at in a, in a similar way and, and be critical of. Uh, but actually, I guess I'll read it slightly differently. This is the beginning of his relationship. Um, this, arguably, this changes him. If you look at what happens after this, he, you know, he works for you know, a long time to earn the right to marry the woman he loves. You know, he's not a very good husband when, when we get there, and, and he's particularly not a very good husband to the, the woman that he doesn't love so much. Um, but it changes him. You know, that, that kind of faithful working out of something is a very different Jacob to the one we see uh, beforehand. Um, and you, you kind of, you also, if you put yourself in his place, if all you have is you and God, how do you relate to God? You know, if without Jesus, we are just isolated individuals trying to relate to God in our own separate ways, trying to figure this out. Well, God, if you give me this, I'll give you that. Let's, let's do a deal here. Let's try and strike a bargain. But, but otherwise, God, how do I know? How do I know you're really there? With Jesus, you know, we know. Jesus you know, is that blessing. Jesus was born as God on earth. He gave his life for us. He has made the bargain, if you want to put it like that. He has invited us into the family of God. Um, you know, he, ha- he created the church, as Mike kind of referred to, to sustain us. Christ is that ladder between heaven and earth. So we, we don't need to negotiate our relationship with God in the way that Jacob was trying to do that night. Um, Jesus has made the bargain. He's made the, the ultimate bargain. He is the ultimate unconditional free gift. He's that blessing that's come true. And that's fantastic for us because it means that we can come to God with nothing. Empty. You know, when we're alone and lost in the dark. We don't need to negotiate. You know, God is there because Jesus died for us. So, at the heart of this great 
historical reality of God's plan on earth. You've got this one flawed, pretty unhappy bloke. He's alone, running from home with this incredible encounter from God. And we looked at his prayer, but it's, it's worth just looking again at how he responds to God, because I think it's a good, a good model for how we respond. He responds with praise. Surely God is here. God is awesome. Praise and worship. He responds with prayer. Uh, he responds with giving. You know, he commits to give something of himself in the service of that big plan. God doesn't need that, by the way. I think it's quite obvious in, in the way that he is able to work through these incredibly flawed people and he's able to work through us. He doesn't need that, but it's fantastic for us to give. It connects us into the reality of the, of the plan as much as anything else. So, and I think what is, what is finally different for us is we have a different identity than Jacob. We, have, we are part of the same blessing. We are part of the same plan. But we have a different identity in Christ because we have that personal relationship with Christ. And so when we're lost and alone in the dark, that's what we can go to. That's what I go to. just like to close with a, with a prayer. Father, you have said you are with us and will watch over us wherever we go. Father, you are awesome. You are faithful. And you have been faithful to all of us for so long. We thank you for that. We thank you for how you have been in this world and how Jesus came to this world and was resurrected back into this world from death to save us. We thank you, Lord, for everything over all this time that you've been faithful. Amen.